1: Welcome in to the Retirement Pathfinder. Glad to have you. I'm Ben George alongside Barbara Land and Phil Gusky over at Pathfinder Wealth Management. Remember, you can always schedule time to talk with them. Just go to pathfinderchat.com. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about what's changed in retirement planning. It uh, just ain't what it used to be. So it, it's going to be interesting to kind of go through this today and and talk about some of the challenges that face retirees today that their parents and their grandparents Never really had to face. Things have gotten a lot tougher and a lot more difficult. So it just it puts an emphasis on proper planning. Barbara and Phil, welcome in. How are you?
0: Oh, we're doing fantastic. It's what? sunny out and the crops are growing. Yeah, ah.
1: sunny out and summer's here. That must mean it's time for a farm update. Phil, we haven't had one in a while, so yeah. uh, I know that our listeners have been anxiously awaiting the next update.
0: Well, we're not going to disappoint them because I want to talk about, uh, you know, my education about farming is increasing and uh, so this year um, we decided to plant soybeans in our food plots so that the deer and the pheasants and all the other little critters out there will have you know something to eat during the harsh winter months so we plant, you know we alternate it year to year and and this year we're going to do soybeans but along with the soybeans that we planted uh, grow up the weeds and you know so what you have to do is you have to occasionally put down a, a weed control to help, uh, kill off those weeds so that the main crop can come through. And I did that. I went ahead and put down some uh, weed control, but no effect on the weeds. So I couldn't figure this thing out. And I I finally had to ask my neighbor, a real farmer, uh, what those, what kind of weeds those were? Uh, they just wouldn't go away after I tried to treat them. And he looked at them and he said, those ain't no weeds. That's corn. I said, what? (laughs) (laughs) But I planted beans. He said, well, When you turned over the remaining corn from the previous season, it it basically uh, sprang up and it's called volunteer corn. Ben, have you ever heard of volunteer corn before? I have not, no. Okay. no. I have not either. Yeah, if you look in a field with beans out there this year, you'll see little stalks of corn coming up, and that basically is a residual of the previous year. If there's seed left in the ground, it'll pop up there. Hmm. And so um, that that extends my education there, and it's a mysterious weed that wouldn't go away, and uh, it actually is corn that came up besides the beans. So
2: That's interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, a little education there on how to farm.
2: Good thing you asked your neighbor.
0: I'm glad, yes, yes. A little bonus crop this year, huh? A little bonus crop. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how they both grow together.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) That's that's funny. That's great. Yeah, I'd never heard of that, but that that makes sense. I mean, when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Very good. Well, that's great. I'm glad for the farm update. Thanks for sharing, Phil. We'll look forward to our next one. Uh, Always Mm -hmm. enjoy hearing from you. So um, I want to jump into our conversation today on retirement planning and, and how much has changed. You know, when you think about it, retirement planning, in many ways, was easier for past generations. Uh, a lot of times, it was just, hey, you got to, you got to work, you get your pension, social security, and kind of takes care of itself. But you know, today, you kind of have to really rely on a good financial advisor to help you overcome those additional challenges that we face right now. And a lot of these things that our grandparents and parents did not have to face. So we can't just rely on them for their experience and and help us point us in the right direction for, for retirement. We need to rely on a professional to do that. So I've got a few things today, a few areas that have changed quite a bit. And if, if you haven't really gotten into your plan a lot, you might not be aware of these. So hopefully these will kind of put an emphasis on, on planning for you and, and help you understand why it's so important to sit down with your advisor. So. Let's start off with those pensions that I mentioned. Um, they're so they're so much rare now. I don't know many companies that if you started today, you'd have a pension uh, option in place. And Social Security has is really become the only retirement income stream that many people have. And that that can really uh, put a stress on your retirement plan. Well,
0: it's important to to kind of review the history of what's going on here with pensions over the years. So if I run through a little history about traditional pensions, also known as defined benefit plans. Uh, we find that at one time they were the big attraction in uh, both rewarding employees uh, for their faithful service uh, at the time of retirement. And they also got a pocket watch along with it, you know. (laughs)
1: Uh,
0: But the government uh, thought it necessary to tinker with private company pension plans to make sure that they remained fully funded, solvent, and to protect workers by ensuring their employees uh, that they had, uh, their employees that they had ongoing liability. And that's what it was, was uh, the fact that the employers now had ongoing liability. So in 1974, ERISA was passed and ERISA was a, a term it is short for Employee Retirement Income Securities Act of 1974. But Ben, just like um, other perceived problems that the government decides to fix, it also had unintended consequences. So let's talk about this a little bit and what it actually did to the, the pension uh, universe out there. According to Dallas Salisbury, who's president and CEO of the Employee Benefit Research Institute, ERISA was, quote, contributed to the demise of the defined benefit plans. So uh, those pension plans were hit hard. The government placed an extensive vesting and funding mandate upon private industry. And so employers opted to move away to what we call the defined contribution plan today or the 401k model. So I'm sure we've all heard of 401ks, but something happened in the private industry here where employers found that they were saddled with a tremendous responsibility for uh, government mandates. So mm-hmm. thus the burden was, uh, was moved away from the company and the responsibility fell upon the employee to fund their own retirement plan. And that was a huge... It was a double-edged sword. Really, it was an advantage and disadvantage. Let's let's explain why. Uh, what is really interesting, Barb, is this: that uh, ERISA uh, exempts public pensions. Now, think about that. Public pensions. In other words, if you're a government employee, ERISA doesn't really no restrictions. Uh, there's no restrictions. There's no there's no res- hmm. there's no uh, provision uh, to make sure that those particular pension fa- plans are are funded. So, as a result, get this: literally thousands of governmental state primarily state and local pensions have gone underfunded or even insolvent
2: look at uh, the state of Illinois alone. oh yeah
0: yeah the teachers pension plans and some of the things going on there tremendously underfunded and uh, we have some real problems uh, on the horizon because of this well anyhow getting back to the um, to the private pensions uh, you know, public pensions there are there are roughly 6,000 defined benefit plans in the public sector so if you're a government employee you you have a basically a defined benefit plan. Uh, They hold about $8 trillion. There's 14.7 million active employees and 11.2 million retirees that are government retirees retirees that are are eligible for the public sector pension plans. Now, by contrast, Barb, the private sector went from 60% defined benefit plans in the 1980s to only 15% today. Yeah. You know, the, the corporations find that they just cannot fund these things. And, uh, and we've seen a lot of instances where, uh, you know, the, the burden has been so restrictive that the companies have gone out of business.
2: Um, and you got longer life expectancies, oh, too. Oh,
0: absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. So the days of your daddy's pension and gold watch are pretty much gone, uh, mm-hmm. unless you're a government employee. I don't think they give you a gold watch then, but maybe they do. Uh, that all being said, uh, you know, defined contribution plans are available. People need to be aware of them, and I think they are four hundred and one k plans, traditional IRAs, and Roth IRAs, SEPs, which are simplified employee pension plans, simple IRAs, simple four hundred and one ks, and solo four hundred and one ks. So, if anybody out there who's listening really has any questions about uh, these uh, defined contribution plans, uh, they're welcome to give us a call, and we need to discuss that with them. Now, in a sense, the unintended consequence is actually. Turned into a blessing for millions, especially those of us in the baby boom generation, as defined contribution plans of all kinds, four hundred one ks and so forth, account for the single biggest part of the seventy trillion dollars accumulated by baby boomers today. Sure.
2: Well, we 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 have even seen it over the last, I'd say, several years, four or five years. People are coming in with sizable. Oh, it's it's 401ks. amazing. I,
0: I would say probably you know six figures, seven figures, or or better. Yeah. For, for most people that have been in the workforce, especially, um, you know, at the uh, companies around town here.
2: Yeah. Now, then you get the other side of that to where I was just reading that 40% of Americans are exclusively on Social Security alone. That's sad. Yeah. So my, well, my parents died real young, but their parents died between, you know, so my grandparents between 70 and, you know, early 80s. Um, but my grandpa did have a pension from the railroad. And you know, today workers have to save as much, save as much as you can in your company plan. And if you can afford to max fund it, do so, and then contribute to a Roth IRA outside of that. Of course, those have certain income limits, but when pensions started closing up, the responsibility, investments, and all of that is up to the individual, but it can't be ignored.
0: Well, there's some uh, uh, legislation before the Congress right now to really, I don't want to say force, but really compel employees to put money into a 401k plan, because that's where it was neglected.
2: I've recently seen that too, and so yep, I I do believe that'll go through. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it's just it's just so difficult to
1: to uh, plan for your income without that pension that so many people just don't
0: have. Absolutely, yeah, can't Mm -hmm. rely on
1: anymore. Um, All right, well, you're not getting as much money as you used to, uh, and now you're living longer than you used to. Life expectancies Uh have gotten so long that now not only do you have to come up with more money, that money has to last a longer period of time. Yeah,
2: so um, you know. If we look at, uh, let's say, a 65-year-old male today, he's got a 35% chance of living to 90, and a 65-year-old female has a 46% chance of living to 90. We've got clients in their 90s right now. Phil's mom is, what, 98? 98, yes. So it's like, that's not uncommon these days. So if we look at the next generation after baby boomers, those are Gen Xers. And if statistically they plan on retiring at 65, they'll have to save a lot of money. In other words, uh, what we consider a considerable amount of money today. People of all ages that are still working should put a focus on saving as much as they can in their 401k. And if you can save in the Roth 401k, you can contribute up to $19,500 this year. You have to determine or we can help you determine whether you're better off to contribute to the pre-tax 401k or the Roth in your 401k. Don't depend on what Social Security system will provide for you, because I'm sure it will be there to some effect. But the whole system by that time will be revamped, and many people are choosing to work in retirement to supplement their income. And it may just be down the road, Phil, that the actual retirement age changes to 70 rather than age 65.
0: Could be, yes, well, mm-hmm.
2: especially for uh, Social Security. Well, along with longevity, and then you have health issues. So the average couple, after turning 65, will spend over $300,000 just on health care, excluding long-term mm-hmm. care. And so, um, That was from a study by Fidelity in May of this year. So you've got no pensions. You're required to save on your own. Health care costs will continue to increase. The health care costs alone have a 6% at least annual inflation. It's become serious business to be mindful and have a, have a goal for what you need to save, and you have to have a plan. Um, that's what we do here. We put together retirement plans. So the earlier for you, the better set up a call with us for 15 minutes at pathfinderchat.com. That's all it takes. It's just a, just a click for a time and a date that you would like, and we will be happy to give you a call.
0: Well, here's a a tidbit of information from the little known facts department. Okay. About uh, life expectancy. Uh, when I got involved in the business 1980, we started to sell life insurance at that point. Did you know that the life insurance industry were using Life expectation or life expectancy charts that were based on life expectancy of people living during the time of the Civil War. Wow. It's amazing that they now, didn't
2: change them for over a hundred something.
0: Yeah, years. yeah. Think about this though. Let's say that your life expectancy at that time was age forty-five or fifty, mm-hmm. right? Can you imagine the premiums that the insurance companies continued to charge for over a hundred years uh, during that period of time until the, the life expectancy charts changed in nineteen eighty? And then, of course, then they started to uh, extend that. And, of course, the longer life expectancy, the smaller the premium to be charged. Right. So they really benefited greatly by those old charts, believe me.
2: Yeah, I'd say so. That's yeah. amazing.
0: Yep. That is amazing indeed. Um, all right. So the
1: other challenge right now um, is interest rates, right? They. They're changing uh, constantly right now, it seems, this year, but they've been so much lower that you really can't earn any growth off of a savings account, money market, CDs like you used to be able to. So that's one way that people were able to kind of catch up and generate some growth, but it's just not there right now.
0: Well, I remember back in the uh, days of 1980 and 1981, Ben, I don't think you were even alive at that point, were you? Uh, 81, yes. Yeah, 81, okay. (laughs) Well, you probably remember what your mom and dad said at this point, but- (laughs) Back then, there was a guy named uh, Chairman Paul Volcker. Uh, he was he was in, in office as the Fed chairman. And he raised interest rates up to 19% to help lower inflation. Now, think about this, gang. You know, if, if uh, the Fed currently wants to raise interest rates and we're up to maybe 3 3.5% to help offset inflation, how far mm. that is from 19% that Volcker did. But he did that to help offset inflation. We're just hoping we don't have to go that high. You bet. Right? For sure. Well, during those days and following, CD rates at banks hovered around 12% back in 8081. Now, my mom and dad had a couple of CDs and they felt like their ship had arrived you know, at that interest rate. In the 1990s, they began to decline to an average of about 11%, still a decent rate, but uh, then they dropped to about 10% in the, in the 2000s. Um, after the terrorist attack of 9 11, they dropped all the way back down to 6% and have declined bringing on the year of get this year of cheap money and a wonderful expansion of our economy occurred during that period of time. So it's been a good time when they've lowered the interest rates. However, uh, times have changed. And so yeah. for more than two decades, a retired couple could live on a combination of interest from CDs and pension plans plus Social Security. They could live very comfortably. We call that the trifecta of planning. Life was simple, and they had what we call a solid three-legged stool with uh, pension plan, CD interest, and uh, Social Security. But with low interest rates, the trifecta is now gone. The role of fixed-rate interest-bearing instruments, they've really been defined. Today's CDs, bonds, and money markets uh, no longer generate very much income, a little income. We won't uh, kick it all out to the curb, but a little bit of income. But they're included in a portfolio to guard against deep market declines more than anything else. So this week, bear market is a great example. So if a person had, let's say, all their uh, their funds in stock as measured by the S&P 500 index, uh, their year-to-date return would be negative 21.5%. That's, that's what it is currently, as of yesterday. And so definitely in bear market territory. However, if, uh, let's say, 50% of the portfolio had high-quality short-term bonds and cash instruments, uh, and what they would be down by is about a negative 14, which is a long way from bear territory bar at that point. So the purpose uh, and expectation for fixed investments has shifted uh, to adding stability uh, for the investor. Now, there is an investment that is doing rather well right now as a fixed investment, and it's the U.S. government-issued I-bonds or inflation bonds You can purchase I-bonds, and they're currently paying 9.62% guaranteed for six months, and it's tied to basically the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, and the value of the uh, 30-year I-bond will never go below zero. Now, that sounds pretty good, right? You say, sign me up. Gosh, I want nine point two six two percent currently.
2: So you get to the caps, huh?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, here's the caveats to it. There are limitations. Uh, The maximum you can buy is $10,000 per year. Mm -hmm. You can only make one purchase of an I bond per year. Uh, It can't be held uh, in an IRA and it can't be held as a Roth IRA. And um, you can't cash it out within the first year. So it's not really a short-term investment. Uh, Years two through five, there's a three-month penalty for interest um, if you cash it out during that period of time and uh rates are reset every six months and can can pay interest for up to thirty years so I'm trying to figure out where the best where this best uh would fit you know in a portfolio and i mm. I've yet to kind of put my finger on that,
2: probably not in a portfolio, but I do have a couple of clients that took advantage of, are taking advantage of that okay um, you know, I'd look too filled with uh, today's rates with CDs and money market and and savings accounts, and those are for emergency or you know what we call nice to have some money in a savings account for backup type of money. Sure, um, but you know, a place to invest your money not 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 a good place for investing your money because they're tied to inflation, so they're that's going to equal your spending power. People invest their money to stay ahead of inflation, oh, not right. just to meet it. You know, that's so, correct. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that is very good stuff. It's just so difficult, again, with interest rates where they are. But uh, that's just one more thing uh, to add to the list. And I've got one to conclude with, uh, and we're seeing it right now. But I don't know if you all have maybe an explanation for it, but it seems like volatility in the stock market has just gotten more and more pronounced every year. I don't know if that's because news travels so much faster and you see everything that's out there, but it just seems like it's tougher and tougher to, uh, to, to stay in the market.
2: Well, kind of, it's kind of funny you mentioned that Ben, because it, it it seems like um you know on the outset that it's a true statement. Well, it's because the indexes are much larger today. So when we look at market to industries remained, uh, the market to industry variances remained about the same, which has been fairly stable. But when I was born, let's just say nineteen fifties, uh, the Dow mm-hmm. at that time was about five hundred. So one percent drop is five points. Now, today, the Dow is at 32,000, so a 1% drop is 320 points. That's a significant Mm -hmm, difference. mm -hmm. So first, volatility, it uses a common measure called standard deviation, and financial professionals use it as an indication of risk. I was just recently reading an article written by Ed Easterling on volatility. He's the founder and president of Crestmont Research. So without boring you with the research, here is his conclusion, looking at 70 years of uh, past volatility from ultra low levels of volatility to ultra high levels recent decades have been unique but not unprecedented so higher volatility periods are normal and they can extend for sometimes quarters now many investors got used to the extreme low volatility years during the mid 2000s especially around 2006 2007 and they came to expect it as normal mm-hmm. well then 2008 hit mm-hmm. you know right. And they were surprised by the subsequent period of high volatility. 2013 and 14 were eerily calm. 2017, same thing. And now market volatility has again shown that it doesn't remain level for long. So the term average is uncommon for uh, volatility. Higher rising uh, volatility corresponds to declining markets. So low volatility reflects a good market, but it's not a predictor of good markets in the future. The article, is, it was interesting, but it's basically the history of volatility, but in no way is it predicting anything. What we do know for our investors is that most of our investors are in some type of balanced portfolio. And that means that given their standard deviation of their portfolio, 98% of the time, returns will be between a minus 12 and a plus 28%. Volatility is already factored in. We just have no way of knowing, and no one else does, of when that higher volatility will show up. And this can be uncomfortable t- uh, time for our investors right now, but you have to stay the course. It'll pass; it always does. The economy has strong indicators right now with job growth, with the economy open back mm-hmm. up. You know, businesses are valued right. You know, they're not undervalued or, or, or overvalued. Phil. according to Brian Westbury, he's a chief economist right, with First right, Trust. Right. You've got retail sales are increasing, so the recent volatility is not unprecedented, and it will pass. Now is the time to buy this is a sale. some of you may not want to hear that but it is the truth. Uh, stocks are trading at a deep discount and volatility is why investors get paid to own stocks.
0: yeah a lot of people believe that this is a, a different situation that we're into bar but really you know the old saying is true that the more the more things change the more they stay the same. Um, what happened the big difference is back in 1999 to 2000 2001 is that you know stocks were overvalued by 60 percent during that period of time. Right now, according to Brian Westbury, they're about, about, uh, you know, fairly priced, mm -hmm. fairly priced. So, you know, people don't understand that, you know, big gains in the market are captured by purchasing stocks at cheap value. So if you bought, you know, consistently over the last 10 years, uh, you've got stocks at a value, at a cheap value. And so uh, those who sell now will lose and those who buy them at this point will win. And so we mm-hmm. suggest that if, if our, any of our clients or listeners have money sitting on the side, uh, we're not making any predictions for the future, but you're buying stock or you're buying equities at uh, at uh, what we call the Kmart blue light special price, right? Have, you buy it at a wholesale price, not at a retail price. So if the market goes down, that's actually a good thing because we understand that's opportunity for those people that want to buy.
2: And you can ride it all the way back up.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. So I get that too. It's different. This time it's different. Well, the market's response to news is not different. It's just that the news is different.
0: The news is different, right? It's being, yeah. And it's being presented and uh, basically packaged in a different way to uh, evoke emotions, I think, more than anything.
1: Yeah. There's an agenda there. Mm -hmm. Yep.
0: Well put. All
1: right. Well, these are just some of the things that have changed um, through the years. And now retirees do have a lot of challenges that they face, a lot on their plate to try to make sure they have... Uh, the confidence to head into retirement and feel good about where they stand. But, again, that's, uh, again, why you rely on a financial advisor, a professional that can help you work through these things, that that face these challenges and help their clients work through them every single day. That's what Barbara and Phil over at Pathfinder Wealth can do, and uh, you can always get in touch with them. It's very simple. Just jot this down, pathfinderchat.com. You probably don't even need to jot it down. Just remember it, pathfinderchat.com. You can schedule a meeting with Barbara and Phil there. Their calendar pops up. You can find a time that works for you. And boom, you're right there on the calendar and, and start that process. So it's important. It's important. I think the, the final thought is just planning. You got to have plans, right? You can't go into this uh, on your own. It's not as easy as it used to be. So rely on help. Don't be afraid to ask for help. There you right, go. Right. All right. Well, thank you both as always. And thank you for listening to the Retirement Pathfinder. For Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. I am Ben George. Take care. and We'll talk to you on the next episode. Yep. Have Take a great care. day,
2: everyone.